Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. And I'm Chris Keithley. And this is Parkour, they said. Chris Keithley has an unfair reputation for push-ups. He's a level three tutor for Parkour Generations based out of London and the second strongest Keithley. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Craig. So the 1,000 muscle-up challenge is infamous, and if you haven't seen it, we'll link the video in the show notes. And a lot of people, I think, mistake that as a suggestion for a way to train muscle-ups, and that's clearly not what was going on. So can you unpack that a little bit for us? Um, Yeah. Basically, we have stupid ideas lots of the time. Um, This particular stupid idea happened at all. Its genesis was in Brazil as an entirely innocent uh, after-dinner conversation where I believe Blaine, Dan Edwards, Stefan Vigru and uh, Bruno, mm. who is the actual Brazilian, and the reason the guys were out there, having a, a hypothetical debate over whether one would prefer to do 10,000 push-ups in a day or 1,000 muscle-ups in a day. I, I think I would prefer to be absent that day. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's an entirely interesting and hypothetical conversation. Or what so you thought. What harm can come from this? I wasn't even, I didn't get a say in this. I just get told about this, <laughs> I guess, a few weeks later. Because during the course of this conversation, Blaine decides that a thousand muscle-ups in a day is clearly less horrendous than 10,000 push-ups in a day. And, and furthermore, he's going to do it. <laughs> um, at which point, Dan thinks it's a great idea. Great is probably putting words in his mouth. Right. <laughs> but, but Dan is not willing to be left out of the idea at this right, point. Right. Or at least if someone else is doing it, this is a, this is a great challenge. This is something, some, something to learn a bit more about yourself. Like maybe you can do it, maybe you can't. Let's see what happens. Uh, Steph agrees as well. Bruno, for his sins, also agrees to join in and is a great help when we roll around to the change a few months later but probably spends more time with the camera than with the scaffolding. Right. So what is the big advantage? What's the big takeaway from, aside from having done it? I think you were one of the guys who actually finished it. Yeah, so there were eight of us that decided to take this on in the end. Um, myself was number five. Andy Pearson, one of the other tutors from London, joined in as well. Uh, who am I missing? Jun Sato. Oh, right. Um, is an amazing guy from Japan who I think... and. Over time, some myths may grow up around this. I'm pretty sure he delayed his flight so that he could stay in the country and do the challenge with us. <laughs> and Joe Boyle, who is uh, another guy from London, coached with us, and is just a phenomenal athlete, especially especially when it comes to endurance and strength endurance challenges. Right, figuring out the pace and how to get it done. Yeah, well, and so I don't know if he knew how to get it done or, just, or at least innately knew how to get it done. Uh, but he bloody well got it done. <laughs> the journey of a thousand muscle-ups begins with a single muscle-up. Yeah, and then a second, and then so on and so on, and right. until you hit a thousand. So, any particular takeaways from that, other than you never want to do that again? <laughs> Which we would also return to. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, it is possible. And if we're talking with uh, some of the other guys here right. at the gathering about challenges and is it a challenge if you know you can do it before you start yeah i I think someone i heard someone say um it takes a special skill to set a challenge for yourself that you're unable to do and at first i was like well no i could you know challenge myself to climb mount everest tomorrow but to to actually set a challenge that you would actually attempt yeah that you are unable to do is actually tricky it's like breaking a jump in a way yeah i went especially one that 
maybe you're not able to do, but you think there's a possibility you might. And it's, in many ways, it is like making a jump. The jump won't scare you if it's if you can't do it. Yeah. And likewise, if you know for a fact you can't do the challenge, it's not really a challenge because at no point do you have the intention to try and to do commit. it. So the problem is you need something that's conceivable enough that you're going to go with 100% intention to try and get it done. Mm-hmm but far enough away that you don't go in 100% sure it is going to get done. And the combination of it being pitched at that level, the guys that were doing it, and I suspect on certainly my part and a few of the other guys, a little bit of hubris. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, he's going to say hubris. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I I think I realised somewhere in the middle of the challenge that I'd not necessarily bit enough more than I could chew, but certainly stuffed a lot more in my mouth <laughs> than I was expecting. <laughs> um, and, and then there's all, all kinds of little moments throughout the day that made me think of something, like just how much easier it was with other people around. Mm. Like, I, I can't say for sure, but I'm 99% certain I would not have done a thousand muscle-ups that day if I'd been the only one doing it. Yeah, what would the vision in your mind be? I'm going to do a thousand muscle-ups in an empty, it was basically like a gym, in an empty gym without yeah. any heat. It was in the winter, so yeah, like, it was early that December. would be mind-bogglingly demotivating to be by yourself. Yeah. Well, as with, as with more legends, I did hear tell that Seb Gudo, one of the kind of second-generation guys from Lise in France, did either did a thousand or did... Six or eight hundred or some phenomenal number, but on his own in a playground on a fairly thick bar. Hmm. Just kind of did three, walked to the other side of the playground, did three. And, right. Yeah. And that kind of goes to show the challenges that those guys would do to kind of find out what they were capable of and to build what they were capable of. If I remember correctly, it was 14 and a half hours. So why would anyone want to put themselves through, not necessarily that specific challenge, but it's the challenge of that magnitude in general. What's the potential payoff? To, to learn something about yourself. Like to actually, modern life doesn't give you many chances of seeing what you're capable of. Mm, right. Seeing yeah. where your Opportunities limit, for growth. Yeah, seeing, seeing where your limits are. Um, and yeah, I mean, I didn't get better at muscle-ups that day. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Muscle up, the quality went down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was three days before I could do another one. <laughs> um, but I, I, I came out of it knowing knowing that when things got really awful, I, I, I could still keep going. And that when things got really awful, I still had a bunch of great people around me that were a, able to either... In, Under, uh, understand the viewpoint, maybe? Like, yeah, but also, also, I don't know if it was... In, inspire me or motivate me or just just their energy kind of kept me going because I, I wasn't doing it because other people were there and watching like right. I, I didn't care what they thought of me that, that was that was not the boost I got from having other people around it was yeah just other people in the space either going through the same thing or supporting us and bringing us cups of tea yeah there were people helping right yeah all doing their own challenges in the background uh, or just staying in awake in the case of my now the strongest Keith Lee but at the time a much much smaller younger and weaker Keith Lee (laughs) well right away what comes to mind is where did you learn that lesson originally like you weren't born with that lesson so where did that come from like how did you learn that that was a good way to seek growth was to seek these kinds of really big challenges I think that probably 
Because I, I couldn't pinpoint when I came across that as a as a very specific. Oh, this is the eureka moment of this is the mindset okay. I want to adopt. I think it was a gradual influence of probably people and training over time. So guys like Stefan Vergu when they were coaching in London and mm. coming up with yes, we'd do some wonderful like technical movement training and we'd just do some physical training, but as a more common way of just making yourself stronger. But then just all these little challenges, whether it was stories of the challenges that they used to do, and that's how Stefan started. Right. He wanted to learn from David, and he was just some scrawny little teenager, so David would be like, oh, well, go and do a thousand push-ups. And Steph would go away and do it and come back like, what's next? And then um, you're on call for seven days, and uh, whatever I call you or text you, you do it immediately, right? Right. Um, but so the influence of those kind of people and probably the training that they'd had coming up as they were learning about the discipline themselves of, yeah, th th this challenge is going to give you more than just the training of the challenge. Um, and just over time, I say, guys like Steph in London, uh, Tom Quedi, uh, or Tom Dubois was also in London, Kazuma. Kazuma came and taught with... Uh, Possibly even parkour generations as it was in the very earliest months, but uh, sorry, parkour coaching as it was in the first like, three or four months, and then latterly parkour generations. Um, and, and for sure, Forrest and Dan as well, the very strong ethos of both tough physical challenge, but as, as a way of building you mentally as well as physically. Because I, I never went in search of that. I think it was definitely. I went, I went there to get stronger. The slow discovery process that you realize this really works, right? Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I both. I want more of it, um, because when you succeed in a challenge that you're not sure about, the sense of success and achievement is almost infinitely greater than succeeding in a change that you knew you were going to do. Mm. And I don't. I don't think I was ever like chasing that high, but it certainly gives you a very a very strong feeling of pride in yourself and what you can do. Right, self-validation, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd necessarily characterize it as like validating it myself as much of almost like a pleasant surprise about yourself. It's like, oh, actually I can do this. So you're very experienced as a tutor. I know you normally teach like the ADAPT Level 2 courses and, and you've done tons of teaching sessions all over the world. Um, but I don't know what percentage of your students are like day one beginners. And the question that I have in the back of my mind is at what point does really big challenge, uh, is that something that's a really good tool for people? Can you really do that from day one if you find the correct challenge or should you start with small challenges and go scale them up as you find your feet? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the scale of the challenge is going to be entirely dependent on what people are capable of because... The really big challenges are the ones that are either just out of reach or like in your last 1% of reach. Um, and so everyone's, whether it's day one or day... 1,000, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, 10 years, 20 years down the line. And it may evolve over time. Like the challenge in 20 years may not be as great in number as the challenge on, you know, like let's say four or five years in. But how far it is out of your reach will be, there will always be a challenge in, in that, that, that zone. Um, so from the beginning, it's probably more a question of how people respond to, to challenge. 
So someone could be on day one and respond to challenge really well and, you know, if they, they try something and it turns out, oh, I'm not yet capable of it. You've also learned something, right? Oh, yeah, no, it's still a very valuable experience, but some people will take that a little bit more at face value and some people may need challenges a little bit more in their yellow zone hmm. that are going to be difficult but are definitely achievable just to help help them understand the merit of those ideas and and help, help them feel empowered through those challenges rather than beaten down by them. So can I actually be training without there being the presence of challenge? I think you'd be missing out on a huge, a huge element of the discipline if that were the case. I think, and, and it doesn't have to be crazy physical challenge like the muscle-ups because... Right. Yeah, I can't do that every day. Like, uh, yeah, but for, for some people, balancing on a rail for 10 seconds... Like if you fall off after five seconds, get back up, fall right. off after three, fall off after six, and you spend an hour trying to balance for 10 seconds without falling off. That's a challenge, yeah. Absolutely, and a much, a much greater challenge than just a strong guy banging out a couple hundred pull-ups for the sake of it. Because you don't know if you can do the balance, right? So that's when they're in their kind of top. Top 5%, let's dial it down from 1%. We don't want to be yeah. <laughs> quite as much in the stress zone the whole time. But like the, the genuine uncertainty of, can I do this? Because that's how you discover something. If you knew you could do it anyway, you've not discovered anything. So I think, I think you don't always want to be like this. It can be a very stressful way to train. If, you're, if every session is up, got to challenge myself in a very demanding way. But I think I think the way we we learn or get better at almost any human skill is is through challenge. It's applying it. You know, if you're cooking, you don't say cooking toast for twenty years. Right. You need to move the bar, right? Oh no, right. But every time you move the bar, you're like, well, I'm going to try something that is more challenging. Right. Can I raise myself to meet that bar? So, and the people that make the most progress will be the ones. Not necessarily. I'm saying they're the best guys, but the people that make the most progress will be the ones who are willing to change themselves. And where that end point is will change from person to person. But their personal growth will be defined to some extent by how much they are willing to encounter challenge at the right level for where they are physically, mentally, experientially. So we're here at uh, Gurlev, and this is your sixth, sixth time, time here. So you're an old veteran at this. Um, and elsewhere, we have been discussing with lots of people what's great about Gurlev. Uh, and just so you guys built a tire tower and, and we're talking like large tractor tires. I don't know how they even lifted them, let alone stack them. That thing must've been 20 feet high that you were done. They had like a leaning tower of pizza with people hanging off it to try and keep it up. Right. And I, I was off elsewhere and I looked around, I'm like, Oh, a tire tower. <laughs> what? You know? Um, so th that was an interesting challenge. I mean, I'm, I'm sure somebody said, Hey, we should stack the tires. And then off you went, but what, what was the, what was the value other from it? It looked like a ton of fun and pushing it over was awesome too. But what, what is, is, was that a challenge or was that just you guys having fun? Um, it was, not, I mean, it certainly felt like a challenge because, and it was a challenge of many, many, many challenges because at the beginning it was just, well, let's stack some up. Yeah, where's the biggest one? Put it down. Yeah, and then it quickly became both a, not so much a mental challenge of, oh, can I push through this? But actually, let, let's do some physics and engineering <laughs> here. How do we get these... Lighter tires as we got further on, but up significantly greater and less stable heights. Yeah, the whole thing was swaying, and some of the people at the top, they had to have their feet 
12 feet off the ground easy. That was triple three people high. It's Yeah, well, I mean, the people at the top seemed to be much more comfortable than the people at the bottom. I don't know if that's because <laughs> we were cushioning them or just they had significantly less idea of what the, the angle was How hard like. the asphalt is, right? Um, but yeah, no, it, it was... Uh, Philip, one of the guys, I believe, from Parkour 1, certainly from Germany, uh, just had a little challenge for us, which was, let's do this. Um, and as with all challenges, it started out, yes, as a bit of fun. And then you kind of hit the point of, oh, oh, oh how do we do this? And and the moments of, oh, there's lots of boxes around. We could use the boxes to stand on to get the tires up there. But yeah, that's making the that challenge easier. Easy, do we need that? Like, can we do it without uh, that? And Seth Sampson, another one of the parkour one guys, made a very good point of once we kind of got the final tire on, was how much how much less satisfaction we'd have got if we'd brought the boxes in to yeah. do so. No, 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 not like it would have tainted our achievement, but it would have it would have lessened the achievement. There are a lot of parkour memes and. One of my personal favorites, if you've ever trained with me, um, if you haven't, please find me. I would love to train with you. One of my favorites is gapping. And, and if you haven't seen this and you haven't done it, it makes no sense. But it's basically trying to squeeze through the smallest space that you can possibly squeeze through. And then, oh, that was too easy. Now do it backwards or upside down. Or if it's a ladder, squeeze through the top wrong and those kinds of things. Um, so my first question is, uh, is that the same sort of challenge? And, and what, do you, what are your thoughts on, like, why, why are we drawn to that? Um, I think if you, as of anything else, if you choose the right hole, it's exactly as... For some of the guys have done it, it's been as hard a challenge as probably anything else they've done. Um, I tend to find it a bit easier, just in the sense that if my ass fits through, the rest of me gets in. I've noticed that I, I'm getting a really good eye for spotting um, gaps that would be challenging and interesting for me. And I know, for example, if I can get my shoulders through, then I fit through. Or, you know, it's like, so everybody has, they know which part of their body isn't going to fit through in which direction. Yeah. And they, they like look at that and they spot those distances and, and things that are really easy for you might be impossible for me. And it, it draws you in the same way that spotting interesting jumps do. Like, you know, that that's just possible. And I really should go run over there and do that. And then off goes someone. Absolutely. What, what's the longest you've seen someone take to get through a gap successfully? Or even, or no, it doesn't have to be successful. Um, one gap, how long were they there for? Oh, uh, I don't think I've struggled for more than 10 minutes on a particular one. It's probably about the longest I've ever seen. Tw 25 minutes was the record in 35 degree heat. And I think got halfway through, came out a bit of a board came back to his hips for a water break, right. didn't come out of the gap. Two or three people like standing over him with his hands, creating shade, shade in his face. Chow Bell coming across and looking very unimpressed that we were doing this whilst he was teaching around the corner. But it, it, it was one of the real challenges of the day. It's like, can we do this? Um, so I, I think in the split second, he maybe didn't understand what was going on and just saw some people messing around. Yeah, one of the hardest things we've done. And scary in the sense that, at least the way that I do it, if my bum gets through, the rest of me will go. But I may need to exhale quite a lot. So And which ribs are attached and which are movable? <laughs> and more importantly, can I get through it quick enough or do I have to do the world's shallowest breath halfway through <sighs> before I can keep going? So that's always an interesting one of just absolutely zero air left in your lungs and then try and shuffle your way out. 
One of my personal passions is collecting people's stories, and I love to just hear whatever you have that you're passionate about. Yeah. Um, lots of little moments from within the Muscle Up Challenge that we were speaking about. Um, spread throughout the day, a lot of people that got involved who weren't necessarily expecting to get involved. Uh, so Kiel actually stayed, and originally I think he was just going to do 100, um, just as his own personal challenge, just seeing if he could get there. And then he got to 100 relatively easily and quickly. And then kind of 300 was drawing on it, on him as a possibility. So he kind of stayed and kept going. And I think he had to go to a wedding before he could get to that number, which is his delightful and unexpected. Hmm. Both, both company, but the idea that he also kind of learned something about that day or about himself that day. And my little brother, who now is an absolute monster. But at the time, as a 14-year-old kid, don't think any older than 14, been doing parkour for maybe a year and a half, something like this, and decided that he was going to join in in his own way. And was very much doing one arm at a time muscle-ups, but I think I think made 120. And I, I, didn't even, I hadn't even heard of a muscle-up when I was 14. Yep. So, I mean, I'm going to be biased. I'm always going to think my, my little brother's special. But that, that was one of those kind of early moments of, oh, like he's, he's something. Um, and then the fact that, despite the fact it took me 14 and a half hours and he, he used to have much more regular bedtimes, he refused to go to sleep until I'd finished. So he, he kind of stayed awake until I think it was half midnight by the time I finished. I think curled up in a cardboard box at one point. Blaine, Blaine found him in a corner. As soon as I was done, he was done. He was, very much ready for bed and then me trying to fall asleep but being woken up because my forearm was cramping badly in my sleep so trying to go back to sleep with my mobile phone laying on my fingers to just keep my hand open and stop it from cramping um somewhere around the 770 mark i sat down for about an hour with no idea if i was going to stand up again i mean that was really that that was where my dark point kicked in of, mm. I actually don't know if I continue from here. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really want to stop, but I, I actually don't know if I can. Or if it's sensible to, or both. And when I finally was like, no, I'm, I'm going to try and do a few more, I just put the entire uh, The Sickness album by Disturbed on, which was my favourite weightlifting album at the time. And for about the next hour just kind of doing one muscle up, stalking around the room looking like an angry little emo kid, kind of get, eventually making it back to the bar, doing another one, and then just storming off again for a minute or two, <laughs> coming back. Plus one, <laughs> plus one. Yeah. Um, the very many cups of teas that people like Naomi and Tracy would bring us, and the, the sad moment when I got to a point where to raise the tea to my mouth, I had to sit on the floor balance the cup on my knee, hold the handle with my hand and use my leg to raise the cup to my mouth because it hurt my elbow too much to hold a cup of tea. And realising that I still had 150 muscle-ups to go. Those were the moments when it was, is it wise to carry on? Because if I can't lift a cup of tea, I don't know what business I've got hanging off the bar. And of course the obvious question is, was it wise? Um, 
hindsight tells me it was. I'm here. Everything's fine. Um, was it wise to risk hurting yourself? I don't think it's wise to do it all the time. I think in this kind of occasion, and that, for me, this is probably still one of the two or three biggest challenges I've ever done in my life. And just in terms of the relentless, I don't want to say darkness, but the relentless struggle, it was harder because anything else has been over in a much shorter period of time. So I think risking things very sparingly and knowing that you're really going to come out. Because if it was just to say, oh, I've done a thousand, no, it wasn't worth the risk. But that's, that may have been why I started the challenge. Like I started it to say I could do a thousand muscle-ups. And then the, the darker it got, the more it was just, oh, can I do this? Right. And if I'd still had the mindset of, can I do a thousand? I probably wouldn't have because it, that wasn't a good enough reason to keep going when it hurt. And if it had been bad enough, I would have stopped. Like if, if it is, I'm definitely damaging myself. No, that's not worth the risk. But if it's just a, how does this feel? I'll try another five. I'll see what it's like after that. People bring us to Yao being an absolute legend and providing very regular massages for those of us that were still trying to go. Uh, people like Brian just smashing away at a tire in the background of a hammer, doing a thousand hammer swings instead. Um, yeah. And of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. Fun. Weird. Movement. Thank you very much, Chris. You're welcome. And of course, there's a website. Visit parkour.theysaid.world for this episode's notes and transcript. The site also has writing from people around the world, and everything is available in a dozen languages. Mm-hmm. 